Coffee Combine listeners, welcome back to the podcast. We're here for podcast 29. I'm with Tony. We've chucked our tinfoil hats on for today. No, we actually haven't, but we are going to be talking the future. Um, and we are going to be talking about that from a industrial side, uh, but also from a funds management side and sort of looking across the entire landscape of business, really. Um, but the way we <clears throat> position ourselves there. So, Tony, welcome to the podcast today. I'm sure you're excited. I am, as always, Jamie, to see you. And you got and you, you got your tinfoil hat and you're ready? I have. Can you, can you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tony, we, we are talking future and look, I think... This all come about from, the topic all come about and why we wanted to talk about it is we raised the topic in the office, but you spent two days with the futurist not long ago um, talking about the changes in our industry um, and, and the way that we need to position ourselves and the way that we need to prepare, um, but although also the changes in other industries um, yep. and understanding that. So uh, Craig Rispin was his name yep. and you enjoyed that seminar or you enjoyed those few days with him? Yeah, there was there was a dozen of us in all different industries, uh, ranging from building industries, obviously us in uh, the funds management world. Um, so yeah, a whole range of different, very successful industries that got together for a, spent a weekend here in Melbourne with Craig, uh, speaking about what's potentially coming up over the next decade. And then we took it even further and went out two decades. So for me, it was a case of looking at where we're heading and our own uh, digital footprint in respect to what we do in here yep. and helping us with our business plan, our forward projections. We we can't do what, well, we don't do what we were doing 20 years ago. Firstly, things have evolved and things have changed. But secondly, also in here as well, uh, ensuring that we have things that are, you know, everything's digital and automated as well. Not everything, but a good vast majority of it. So that was important to understand where the world is heading. But also then from an investment perspective is where is the world heading as well. And, you know, industries that you have to be concerned about, industries that are going to move forward, uh, industries where there's investment opportunities for the next Great thing. Yeah, and look, I think some people might be frightened off by certain areas, but then we might be excited I think every, by them. But I think everyone's uh, scared of change. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we, 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 we're, we're a, we all live in comfort zones. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't have the fear of our Neanderthal cousins of the fight or flight anymore. Not even Neanderthals just go back in, in most, even some countries are still the same. So we, we don't actually don't have that fear anymore. And as a result... We actually quite like living in comfort. It's comfortable being in a comfort zone and not having to worry too much and just do things the way they've always been done. So progression sometimes can be a hard thing to swallow. Yeah, and it's about preparing yourself. I guess, as you said, in here, we've made key decisions. My role sort of changed and moved along with that, but we're preparing ourselves for what the future holds um, and we want to be at the forefront of that. Well, basically what we're doing is we now run our business today like it's 10 years in the future. Yeah. Uh, so we always plan uh, for where we want to be over that next decade. And that next decade, uh, three years ago, it's not seven years left, every year that next decade starts again and starts again. And that's how we evolve and plan for our future in here as a business as well. Yeah, so let's talk about Craig and some of the things that you touched on and uh, some of the industry changes. Um, yeah. You know, what were some of the key highlights there? Well, it's interesting that one of the things of, he actually asked a couple of questions, like, for example, what do we believe is uh, going to be the 
potential universal language of the world over the next decade, the language that is um, spoken the most. Yeah. And the majority of people in the room, me included, uh, said Chinese, basically. Because, yeah, so, well, yeah, so it's, um, they take up such a large percentage of the population. But within the next decade, the most commonly spoken language in the world will actually be Spanish. If you think about that, you've got so many South American countries that all speak Spanish. We're not just talking Spain here. So it's uh, and in respect to population growth, that is actually going to be the most spoken language uh, globally. Will actually be Spanish. So that was an interesting one. Yeah, I, de- I definitely wouldn't have expected that. I'll yeah, my my head sort of tilting there as well. Absolutely, the uh, most valuable commodity in the world. Uh, I know you. I haven't told you this, or uh. I might have. Do, what would you think it might be? In the next decade, I generally have no idea. Have a guess. I don't. I, I can't. Come think. on, think of a commodity. What do you think? I mean, most people would think, you know, for example, at the moment, gold or platinum or zinc right. or or uh, you know, uranium. Well, I guess go uranium. Uh, no, it's not uranium. Come on, let's go to the nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fresh water. Uh, fresh water will be the most commoditized uh, moving forward will be the most yeah, yeah. commoditized and if, if you think you know we're, we're still one of <laughs> I think very stupidly uh, a country in the world that sometimes goes through drought in certain regions and then flourishes and, and other times as well uh, that we still flush fresh water down the toilet that makes no sense to me what we flush drinking water it just makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever that aside uh, especially being the country that sometimes floods and sometimes droughts, uh, as, uh, predominantly droughts. So these, these were the interesting things that come out. But there was, there was, you know, what he did was he challenged all of our industries as well moving forward. So if you think about, for example, the building industry, we've got a, you know, in Victoria, uh, we, have, we don't have enough accommodation being built for the amount of people moving here at the moment and haven't had for quite some time. So, and you know, kids live at home longer sometimes as a result, but what that has done, of course, is pushed up prices dramatically. But he showed an example in Denmark uh, where a- This is the 3D printer? Yeah, a 270 apartment building uh, was put up in three days. Everything in there uh, was produced on a 3D printer. Now, they're small apartments, we're talking, 30 square studio apartments but basically what and it was done for I think one thirtieth of the cost of building uh, an apartment of a similar scale so the firm in the room uh, Nico is in the room who owns a construction company that could either be a fear or an opportunity. Yeah, you can look at it two ways. Can't Absolutely. You? So, and we we have that housing shortage, and you know we're not going to knock down a four million dollar terrace house here in Fitzroy to go and build a 270, uh, 30 square. It just won't wouldn't be allowed. But if we do have, if you think about the all the commission flats that we see around Melbourne, that's basically what they originally were. Whereas they're 30 square. Uh, one bedders uh, that were put there as temporary accommodation for the new immigrants to the country in, starting in the 50s, yeah. having that temporary accommodation close to the city. And I even think there's, uh, when you look at New Zealand and stuff, they've started making, not, I won't say kit homes, but homes that can be put up in a lot faster way. That's right. And, and they can be bought for a fraction of that price. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, and, and that's the key is that 
it can be for a fraction of the price. So it's, uh, and I think that I think that's where, when you're looking at these things, it's important to be able to say, if we've got a, and Denmark has this as well, but if we have a housing affordability crisis, uh, but there is no affordable housing being built, and I could ramp on about unions here, but I won't. But if, but basically, it's a case of that. What are we going to do? So that that was they, that, those are a couple of areas where he was actually challenging our thinking of where we're going to go over the next decade, including us in the funds management as well. Yeah. So, so it's even looking at areas, I guess, biomedicine. Well, if you if you think about uh, plant-based medicine, biomedicine. Uh, battery power and even if we look at the car industry that was that was a, another interesting one as yeah. well when you when you consider that uh, if you have a 16 17 year old kid today and who comes home and says listen I've decided I'm going to leave school and get an apprenticeship as a motor mechanic back when I was 16 years old Mum and dad will be saying, great, he's going to get a job, he's going to get an apprenticeship and go forth and go for it. You know, well done. You know, it's um, something, I love cars, I love this. I don't even know how to change oil. But that aside, to say that was, that's, that was my passion to do. Nowadays, that would be an obsolete profession for, if you think of it. Because if you think of a car with all of its moving parts, a, a traditional petrol car or diesel car, with all of its moving parts. You think of the complication when you open up the bonnet of a Mercedes AMG and go, geez, where, where, where's it all even go? Yeah. So it's um, that, and then you compare that, say, to a Tesla. That does, you don't change the oil. You don't, the only thing you have to change on a Tesla is the tires and the battery. Uh, and it, it's a computer. So the motor mechanic of the future needs an IT degree. Uh, to plug it in, what has to be done, what has to be changed. It's got very few moving parts. It's uh, it's as fast as an AMG at times. Just doesn't sound quite as good. Uh, but so based on that, if we if one of the things Craig spoke about is the electric cars in the future over the next decade, where they're going to be the prolific. Uh, motor car on the road and I'm, I'm not plugging Tesla here and by all means do not go out and buy Tesla shares I wouldn't recommend that to anyone but in saying that it is a case of that if we're going over the next 10 years that motor mechanic who left school early worked hard did his apprenticeship and is great at fixing a car is great at uh, changing the brakes and things like that is no longer going to be potentially required in the next 10 years and if we stick on the cars uh, let's talk about the car yard, uh, the big ranging from the big ones down to the small ones. Once again, I'll use Tesla as an example. They have a few showrooms, but basically you go and order, there's the car, and you order it online, and then it is delivered. Uh, and that's, that's the first car to actually do that was the Mustang. Uh, but if you, in, back in the, in the 60s, you could actually order the color seats you want, the color, uh, yeah. so you could actually order it. But nowadays with the Tesla, it's not showrooms. You know, you can go and test drive and things like that, but they have that one showroom. People come to them, they know what they want, they order it, and then it's delivered. And so there is no moving forward, there's not going to be that requirement for the car salesman on the car yard anymore, because 
what's going to happen if you think of all that stock sitting on the car yard you'll just get online and order what you want as you know you know the amount of stuff we order our shirts online our suits online our shoes online uh you wouldn't have thought of doing that 15 years ago yeah and i think you can see the effects of a place like bridge road that used to have all the outlets where all the shopping was happened you know the vacancy rates are massive there absolutely massive then you can only have so many cafes in melbourne as well because that's what they seem to turn to so when you when you think of the uh, the motor vehicle industry it's uh that disruption is going to actually occur and that's where and you, you then go to other areas like medicine or law uh, where they've actually got AI algorithms now in the event of divorce, you put everything in and the algorithm gets rid of all the emotion and he said, she said, and just says, here's how the assets are being split uh, based on the law. So it's actually getting rid of, uh, potentially down the track of the requirement for lawyers in that area. It's getting rid of the requirements for potentially magistrates. You know, we turn around and we say how soft magistrates are on crime in this uh, state, as an example. Well, that'll get rid of that. You do this, bang, here's what, you ha- here's what happens. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, now, these are hypotheticals, of course. Yes, sir, and especially all my lawyer friends out there. <laughs> but if, even if you think about law, you don't have to redo a trustee every time now. It's actually filling the blanks. Yeah. It's, um, and this is where technology is going to be. There's still going to be that need for human interaction but technology does actually take up a lot of the stuff that is actually being done and is meant to make our lives more efficient, sometimes doesn't, uh, but is, is certainly meant to make our lives more efficient. So I think when we, we talk about that moving forward, we then have a look at is where's the potential investment opportunity? And that's what we have to look at. So if we go back 20 years um, ago, Yep, Microsoft was around, Apple was around, obviously nowhere near the size that they are today, and certainly uh, weren't as, uh, not just near, but in respect to the valuations in the stock market, uh, weren't necessarily there. So if we have a look at some of the largest companies in the US today, even just from 10 years ago, 10 years ago, the, in, on a global scale, and certainly in the US, some of the biggest companies were actually oil companies. They're still large, they've still grown in value, but they're not appearing in the top 10, sometimes not even appearing in the top 20 anymore. Um, so there's still two very large ones, your Royal Dutch Shell and your um, Exxon, um, as an example, but Exxon Mobile. Um, but when you actually look at their size, you've got a whole new economy that's flourished, realistically started since 1984, but has flourished substantially being in technology. Um, exuberant prices leading up to 2000 when we had the tech wreck but if we think of companies such as for example Amazon Amazon 10 years ago were the 85th largest company in the US they're now pretty much the la- on any given day the largest company in the world yeah. um, so now you could invest in Amazon before the tech wreck uh, I think at one stage it had a P ratio of two and, uh, two and a half thousand I regard 20 plus inflation as expensive. I would not have invested in it prior to the tech wreck. Those numbers just don't make sense to me. People can say the new economy, new economy, but at the end of the day, you think, yeah, that it can all be fine, but it still comes down to fundamentals. If it's not earning an income, it's overpriced. Now, 10 years ago, as I said, it it was the 85th largest. 10 years ago, Apple was the 12th largest company in the US. You know, today, on any given day, it's the largest company in the world. It was a trillion dollar company. Uh, 10 years ago, it had a valuation of about 280 million. So it just goes to show that there are those growth. But these are new economies. 
And then what we have to do, let's go back 100 years to the Industrial Revolution, because AI is a scary thing at the moment, but... Yeah, I think a lot of people in our industry are getting worried by AI, but absolutely look at it two ways. As we said, with a lot of these things, and you were saying with the lawyers and things, you know, technology can help, but there is also, there's always going to be a human element towards it. Well, technology is pretty much left brain. It, it doesn't actually, it thinks based on the algorithm that has been built and what biases have been put into those algorithms are being put in by the individual or the group that has actually built it. There's always biases. I, I have biases. I have political biases, religion, religious biases, uh, food biases, uh, car biases. We all have biases in life in every area of our life. But the people who actually develop that algorithm, it's their biases. They might try to be as bipartisan as they possibly can, but it's their biases that are still going into those algorithms. So it's um, when we actually have a look at... Um, the Industrial Revolution, as an example. Now, the Industrial Revolution was the greatest growth of wealth ever seen in the history of human life, with the exception of the last 15 years, 20 years, with the technology industry. But that was automation. That took a lot of people off the farms and into factories. And that there was a, there was a huge uproar. There were massive strikes. There was they didn't like the fact that Andrew Carnegie became the richest person in the world, uh, based on um, you know employing people for what was regarded not necessarily as slave labour, but it was a case of how come you're so rich and we're just making these minimum wage, and but we're the one who's slaving away in the steelworks. So there was a lot of uproar about uh, wealth equality, our wealth distribution, no, no different than what there is today. Uh, you have, you know, there's six, I think there has been 60 companies valued at a billion dollars that were startups seven years ago, all in technology. None of them industrial still works or anything like yeah. that. So all technology based. So once again, when you consider that, it's a case of that, that turn of the century. One of the wealthiest people who to come out of that was JP Morgan. Um, and he was funding these steelworks and this growth and through private funding because the normal banks actually wouldn't do it. So he funded and took equity positions, especially if they defaulted, just took it over and sold it off. So he, you know, the, these are the things where the people didn't like change. And if we look nowadays, people are scared of the change of AI, as I am. Uh, so if we're in fear of that change, we can either bury our heads in the sand or we can take it on board and say, what are we actually going to do? So you know, will there be the need of surgeons in the future when we can have machines doing that surgery more accurately than a surgeon who might, this might be their fourth op operation of the day and they're feeling tired. a bit tired and etc. Um, will there be need of GPs in the future when you can actually just put your information into what's wrong? Not quite Dr. Google here. Dr. Google. No, no not quite Dr. Google, but you can put your information into what's wrong and, and it can, it can, you will have a watch that will have a pulse runner and it'll actually take a sample of your sweat or your skin analysis and it can actually give a, tell you exactly what's wrong and what medication is required then turns up on your doorstep in a few hours. Um, rather than having to wait 
24 hours. To, sorry, uh, you know, Dr. Mark uh, isn't free for another 24 hours. And by the time you get there, you're starting to feel a bit better. Or you then put it off and put it off and don't get there and don't get your blood pressure tablets and you fall over. Whereas these new things says, okay, it takes the blood pressure. Uh, you know, guess what, Tony, your blood pressure tablets of eight milligrams, you're doing really well on these, and the computer says we can probably reduce it to four milligrams now, and it just turns up. It knows when you've taken your 30th tablet, or you're on your 20th tablet, a new box turns up. There's no human error involved. Yeah. So these are the things then moving forward is how do we invest in these new Amazons, these new facebook's these new these these companies that might not even be invented yet still might just be a thought process in some genius 23 year old's head and, and we're not trying to in here we're not trying to pick that next one and we're not trying to find that growth of that exact exact one that's coming out of nowhere and going to grow to that billion dollar business no uh to do that would be taking bets yeah and when you consider that 93 percent of venture capital money fails uh, so people who fund these startups and that 93% of venture capital money actually fails, that's scary. And I'm not going to invest any of our clients' money based on something that could be the next billion dollar idea, but potentially could lose them, or 90, 93% of the time lose them all their money, yeah. or a high percentage of their money, they don't get all their money back. So. So based on that, no, we're not going to do it. But of course, how we do it is we track the index um, as well. And if these companies, you know, if if, uh, if we invest in the S&P 500 index for a client in 2008, just before the tech wreck, they would have had exposure to Microsoft, a $300 billion company, watch it drop to $190 billion. They would have had exposure to Apple being the 12th largest company in the US. Now, if they kept that exposure 10 years later, Microsoft and Amazon are trillion dollar companies and the biggest in the world. So we're not saying that let's take a bet on Amazon being the biggest, or of Apple being the biggest. Amazon 10 years in 2008 was the 85th largest company in the US. We're not saying let's take a bet that Amazon is going to be the largest company uh, in the US, say in 2008. What we're saying is it currently takes up a percentage of the index. We're going to buy that index, and as these companies become the billion-dollar companies and join the S&P 500, you're going to have exposure to it. And I think our growth fund at the moment, the equity exposure in our growth fund is to 2,400 different shares globally. Yeah, That's what we call diversification and not taking bets, but that's a great example of when these companies come on board, they might take up 0.2% of our portfolio, but as they grow, they could end up being 1.5% of the portfolio as well. That's a couple of podcasts ago, we spoke about time diversification, well, time compound interest, the compound effect, which is return over time, and that's what these things do. So I can't pick that next biomedical um, champion that's going to be a billion dollar company next year. Um, I can't pick the car dealership that is going to be um, just going to have the automated cars. You know, watch Total Recall, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> version the other day with uh, Johnny Cab, <laughs> and it was uh, that was hilarious. You know, where the cabs are driven by Johnny Cab. You didn't drive a car. Yeah. You know, and so. look, and that can take, that might come around the corner quicker than we thought. That yeah. also might take longer than we thought, but it's about positioning ourselves, as you said, diversifying risk um, and not trying to, to gamble at it. Well, there's, there was, there's a great futurist, an Israeli guy by the name of Yuval Harari, and there's a couple of books of his. And, you know, he's, he's often on podcasts, the Mind Valley podcast. He's been on just YouTubing. Uh, there's hundreds of videos of him talking. 
And but a couple of his books, you know, Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century, um, and Sapiens is another one as well, where he talks about how over the next two decades the fear that we actually have and rightfully have regarding AI. But throughout history, what we have done as humans is upskilled ourselves. So as an example, that motor mechanic example is just going to now be a kid who's going to do and go and do an IT course specializing in automation and, and cars. The you know when Henry Ford came out with the assembly line to make you know cars mass production cars now everyone was saying well that's it we're all losing our jobs globally the car industry is one of the largest industries in the world as a result of him coming out with the assembly line yeah you know the turn of the century the turn of two centuries ago so you know 1800s not early 1900s so that's an example of where people said that's it it's the death of all of our jobs in fact the automotive industry became huge then at the automotive industry, you didn't have a guy there putting screws in anymore um, along the assembly line. You then had a robot coming and doing those screws. But there was somebody who had to work on that robot. Yeah. There's You don't have a welder there now in the assembly line doing that welding. The robot does the welding, but you've got somebody actually controlling that robot. Yeah. And so as we move forward, what uh, Harari has gone and said is, people will upskill. So whereas we're saying robots are going to take all of our jobs, what's going to happen is people will upskill to certain positions to be able to do that. So in 20 years' time, the fear I have is that we all end up morbidly obese because we have little ride-on things to go around because we don't have to walk anymore. I mean, I see kids around here in Fitzroy on electronic skateboards, and I think, how ridiculous is that? We have a Willard in here <laughs> on his scooter, you know, so he doesn't push that scooter. It's, it's, it goes 45 kilometres an hour down the bus lane. So it's, but these are the things where that's the part that scares me, uh, more how our health can be affected by all of this. Uh, but in saying that though, when it comes to the investment investments of life, it's, we're not going to take bets. Uh, we are going to support these companies as per they grow and all of our clients will have exposure to them and we'll ride the ups and downs and the bumps and, and the numerous ups and downs and roller coaster rides and crashes and gains and booms and busts that will happen throughout all of our lifetimes. Yep. Tony, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. We can, we can chuck the hats off now. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a really good podcast and, and I like hearing about sort of, you know, some of the things that Craig said and the other futurists from Israel. It's just good to hear different different views and what's going on in the world. Thank you, Jamie.